Hey folks, welcome back to the water cooler. Be sure to go follow us on Instagram at TWCPod and on Twitter at TWCPod1, and you can listen to this where all podcasts are found. And before we get into the sports talk today, a quick word from our sponsor. Drives Football, the all-new NFL gaming app. It allows users to buy or sell the outcome of each offensive play or possession. Based off the term, I'll bet they'll score. Well, now you can with this new trading style of play to enhance your game day experience. Download the app and follow the Instagram at Drives Football to stay up to date with our upcoming contests with huge cash prizes. All right, sounds good. Blake, you got a performance of the day for us? Yeah, so this is actually one of my favorite performances of all time because it's actually probably the greatest sports performance in history of like all sports. Like even like when the Romans had like the Lions yeah. and stuff like of all time. Uh, there's a man by the name of Doc Ellis. He played for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He was a pitcher. And while no hitters are an amazing feat, as we all know, they're kind of common, especially as of 2020 season, like kind of common nowadays. Maybe not this year, but overall, there's a good chance if you watch baseball, you know a pitcher that threw a no-hitter. But this guy at Dodger Stadium threw a no-hitter on LSD. Enough said. There's nothing else to say. I can't even imagine. Like, Robin Williams has a great stand-up skit about that. Just type in Robin Williams LSD picture. It's hilarious. It describes it like way better than we could. Because I don't know about you. I've never done LSD. No shot. Don't think you have either. Robin Williams has. So he just goes like great into detail about what that probably felt like for Doc Ellis. So go check it out. Yeah, Doc Ellis, I mean... There's just certain things that you do and don't do on a baseball field. I mean, I get some players dip to get a little buzz in. It makes them feel good while they're waiting on a ground mm-hmm. ball or something. But the, the thought process to put a tab on your tongue right before you're starting a game, it, it blows my mind. And I don't know what happened, but I do want to know what his thought process was because it, it, it had to have been something it's else. It's special. Yeah, special. You know what else? I can't even say it was special or not. It sounds like it was special from how I've heard it described. Water Fury 3. I didn't watch it. You did. So, inform me. How was it? Oh, before you do, I was right. Levi was wrong. I predicted a Fury win, so I will take my laurels for that one. Well, I wish Levi was right because as a Tuscaloosa native, Deontay Wilder is my favorite heavyweight. And he's just an awesome guy. And like you said before, he's... Not a boxer, he's just a fighter, which may be true. But Tyson Fury did get knocked down twice, which has never happened in his career before. So while Tyson Fury did take the dub, and don't get me wrong, it's a great fight, way better than the second fight. I mean, it was getting to the point they were exchanging blows. Wilder had him in the first round, I think, and then Tyson kind of took over after that. And they were exchanging blows, but you could see Wilder just got fatigued eventually, and every time he would take some punches, he just... You know, try to go in a clinch, and that's when he ultimately got beat. As yeah. He just got too tired and couldn't recover. And there were some shots that, I mean, wrong, Fury took some shots, but and there was a couple rounds where Wilder looked like he had it. And on the unofficial scorecard that they kept coming up with, even with almost over double of Fury's punches landing, Wilder's two knockdowns, mm-hmm. I mean, that was huge. So, I will say about the knockdowns, though. Like, it looks impressive to the viewer, but for Wilder, that had to be very disheartening. To hit him with two of your best shots and to see him still get back up, like, that's got to take something out of you as a fighter. 
Yeah, it's it's really rough. I mean, especially doing any sort of trilogy in the fighting world, boxing world. It's it's a it's a feat. Mm. Like so, for to have it go in that direction for him while he's setting a basically a career mark against one of the best boxers of all time. In my opinion, the best boxer of all, all right, time. All right. Well, Garrett Mayo's opinion, the best boxer of all time. You you set a career feat that no one has ever done against him, but yet still lose. I mean, that's pretty disheartening. I will say, too, like, Wilder, his hardest punches, like, his best shots are probably the, maybe the hardest of, like, at very least, top four of all time in boxing history. Just shows you how much of a chin Tyson Fury's got, really. Like, <laughs> Dude, that was crazy. Especially with him weighing at 300 pounds, or 290. Like, dude's massive. I uh, know, and I can't believe what the height difference is, what, four or five inches? Yeah. Yeah, when I was watching the fight, I was like, there's no way. Because I guess it's just Tyson Fury's um, his posture, but he looked like he was bent over. kind of looked like a hunchback, yeah. not going to lie. So, <laughs> like, it, it might have been like a one or two inch difference, just eyeballing it in the fight. But, I mean, it was a great fight all in all. It was Probably my favorite fight since uh, John Jones and Daniel Cormier. How was the knockout? It was nice. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. It was nice. It broke my heart because I'm mm-hmm. a big Wilder guy. But I mean, for it to happen, it was the 11th round, and it, it hurt me. But it was a really good knockout. It, it it just happened the way it was supposed to happen. I feel like. Yeah, I will say too. Um, if Wilder would have won, they would have had to have like a quadrilogy. Like a, I don't know when the last time boxing had like a four fight series was, but it would have been the first time. Probably Wait, would you say that word was a, qu- a quadrilogy? Can you spell that? Q U A D I. Wait, R I L O G Y. I don't it's believe you. It's a thing. No, it's, no yes, way. it is. If it's not, I'm gonna copyright it. <laughs> and when some movie studio releases one, then. Well, I what would you call a two game series? A biology. <laughs> a virology. No. Is it really? It's a duology. Do oh, that's a much better. Yeah. But no, so I don't even know what big heavyweight fights are left in boxing. Yeah, because Anthony Joshua just got beat. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, everyone's just kind of down right now. Fury's on top. I think it's gonna. I think w- it's gonna be a little bit before. Someone maybe kinda... Wilder Joshua, the two losers, just duke it out. Yeah, I guess. Or what? But they need a couple pick me up fights before that happens. Yeah. So, you know. So. I feel like it's going to be a couple years before someone kind of makes a name. I mean, the whole fighting world, I think, is just kind of, ever since, you know, McGregor sucks. Khabib's yeah. dad, unfortunately, passing away and made him retire. And John Jones can't stay off the PEDs. D- uh, Daniel yeah. Cormier retired. Tyson Fury, I mean, he has nothing Manny left Pacquiao to prove. Manny Pacquiao just retired. Manny Pacquiao just retired. I mean, Floyd's doing fights just for money now. I mean, I mean, he's kind of always. Yeah, I, I get that, but don't get me wrong. Remember, he was once, you know. Yeah, we're in like a transition phase it in is. the combat it's, world it's right the, now. It's definitely the end of an era, so it's gonna wait a little. We have to wait a little bit just to see those new names pick up and take off from there. Yeah, you know, Saturday really was a tough day for Tuscaloosa. Wilder lost right immediately following Bama's first loss in what nineteen games. It was, yeah, our first loss since the 2019 season. Yeah. Saban's first loss to a former assistant. Saban's first loss to a former assistant. We also, prior to the game, we had the longest streak. I'm not sure exactly how many wins, but 
we were undefeated against AP team, uh, unranked AP teams for, mm-hmm. I think it was over 200 games, which is ridiculous. And last time we lost an unranked team was against Monroe. That was Saban's first year here. And that was also a rough game. But, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It hurt a lot. But if you saw the team play this year in the prior games, that's I mean, I hate to say it, might have been something that was needed. We never needed an L, but we needed that feeling. We needed the feeling of not always being on top. We needed the feeling of vulnerability. We needed the feeling, some kind of feeling that directed all of our players and staff to make football the most important thing again. I think it's a nice kick in the butt, honestly. And what's crazy, I was watching the game with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. They just did not know how to act. I was like, wow. They've really never seen Bama lose before. Yeah, they're they're spoiled. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm young, but I still remember, you know, my dad and others talking about the Mike Shula days, and because I was I was young, like four years old and stuff. But there's also the days before Nick Saban. There was the 2010 season where we let South Carolina, LSU beat us, and there's been a couple rough seasons, and we just haven't had that in a while. So when we when we lost in the past a, a, a long time, yeah. I guess it's always been you know to the number one team in the national championship or in a bowl game or something like that. A regular season loss, I mean that's hard, and A and M has found a way to do it in the past fifteen years. So yeah, so that puts us at number five in the AP polls right now. Right. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I. I mean, I wouldn't be happy if I was other teams as well, but the AP polls are just weird this year. Like, come on, Iowa and Cincinnati? Yeah. Come on now. I mean, Georgia, don't get me wrong, they're the best team in the nation. Said that since the beginning of the season. They have the best defense, undisputedly, in college football. Their offense needs some work. They do, especially in the run games. Amir White, he's getting better and better every game. But, I mean, they, they have a lot of banged-up guys too. Uh, Brock, Brock Bowers, that tight end, he's going to be a next big thing in the NFL. He's like a George Kittle, Mark Andrews hybrid, as one of my buddies likes to put it. But, yeah, I mean, they're scary, but the overall, it just doesn't feel like college football is college football this year, in my yeah. opinion. They did. Georgia did do a number against Auburn, though, this last weekend. Yeah. 30-something yeah. to 10. Yeah, it was a good game. I mean, Bo Nix... I don't like Bo Nix, um, but Auburn does have a good team. It's it'd be pretty ignorant to say that. And I'll always, I we played Jordan Hare in the Iron Bowl this year, and I'm always scared of that. I went to the last Iron Bowl we played in Jordan Hare, and we lost that. Um, it was a couple weeks after Tua broke his hip, and Mac Jones had to fill in. But and we should have won that game easily. You know, I we forgot were, you went to that. We were the favorites, and yeah. I mean, always playing Jordan Hare against Auburn, it doesn't matter if they're ranked or if we're ranked, which we usually are, but sometimes they aren't. <laughs> doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about that. It doesn't matter about rankings with Auburn. It's just about blood, and it's luck. tough. <laughs> and luck, yeah. The Carlson brothers make me want to die. <laughs> I hate those kickers. And who's Bama got this week? Bama has Mississippi State on the road. Uh, Mike, nice. Leach, Mike Leach has a good football team over there, they're constantly improving. Um, it'll be a good matchup, and hopefully yeah, I'm a good excited. like payback revenge game. If we don't, 
the way I see it, we have to come out swinging. I'm, I'm, we have to come out swinging. Everyone's calling for Pete Golding's job and Bill O'Brien's job or defensive and offensive coordinator. And no one liked Bill, Bill O'Brien anyways because of what happened with him and the Texans. Who trades DeAndre Hopkins for a second-round pick? I guess Bill O'Brien does. And Pete Golden kind of made up for it last year since we won a natty. I mean, that's a lot making up for it in my opinion, but I guess some people are still sore from the regular season. But I think we have to come out the gate swinging. We better cover the spread. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know what the spread is right now, but if it ain't covered, oh, my Lord. Well, on to more happier news for us. The Braves are going to the NLC or AL, yeah, NLCS. I can't believe I slipped up right there. That's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, the Braves are going to the NLCS where uh, tomorrow is game five between the Giants and the Dodgers. And hopefully, honestly, the Dodgers win. That way we get home field advantage. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to go back to the NLCS, especially losing Marcelo Zuna, Mike Soroka, Ronald Acuna Jr., our best player and our best pitcher. Fred is our best hitter, but Acuna is our best player because he's five tool. You know, so is, losing those two guys are the worst. Would you say Freddie's a better like power and contact hitter than I, Acuna or just no, all around? I would say Acuna's a better power hitter than Freddie. I feel like Freddie but Freddie's a better hitter because he can put it all over the field. Don't get me wrong, Acuna can too. But Freddie can almost like choose where he wants the ball. He to put go. it out of the field eighth inning last night. Exactly, though. but the spot where he put it was in left center field, and you can talk to Freddie Freeman about his approach because every team lines up with a shift to the right against him, rightfully so. But his approach to the play every single time is to pop it over that shortstop's head, and he killed Hader on a fastball just like he did in the, in the 2019 walk-off homer against him. So maybe next time Hader is beating. That's what I would do. If I'm Hader next time, I wouldn't. Because Hader actually, that was his, I think that was his first time pitching the eighth inning. It would have been Devin Williams, but the Brewers lost him in September into the season, unfortunately. Unfortunately for them. Um, <laughs> make that clear. Yeah. But, yeah, Hader pitched, uh, I, think it was in, I think it was in game one as well, and he walked Freddie. So, Freddie kind of, he was speaking in the press conference, got it, and he, was, he just saw it. And he was waiting on something up after he threw Dansby three straight sliders, and he got one up and he took it out, and that was the first go-ahead home run by a Braves hitter in the mm-hmm. National League Division Series in history, in the wow. eighth inning or later. So it's kind of crazy. I know. I thought it was crazy we played the Brewers the year Hank Aaron died in the playoffs. Yeah, I think that is pretty fitting too. That's it's really awesome having them wear the patch and stuff. And mm-hmm. Also, I mean, we played Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals with the Hawks, so I think the Atlanta-Milwaukee, I'm glad we took one from them because they yeah. got to, maybe we'll end up winning the World Series like they had an NBA championship. So I still say, though, the Hawks would have won if Trey Young didn't get his ankle broke or whatever by that ref. I don't know, man. I think it was just Giannis's year. I don't. Yeah, know. but Giannis was out, too. Remember at the end of that series? Honestly, man. My memory is like a goldfish. Yeah, Giannis, he sat at least a game. Oh, man. But Trey just sucked. But I, but I think all in all, I think everyone could agree the Bucks just were a better team. Oh, of course. Yeah, so I don't I don't think about it and try to ponder the what if. And I'm not like, yeah, I'm not tore up about it. But. Don't get me wrong. I, the last year's NLDS against, or NLCS against the Dodgers, I wonder what if, because we had to have Kyle Wright start one of those NLCS yeah. games. Kyle Wright only played like one or two games in the majors this year. If we had Mike Soroka last year or this year, 
They would have been dangerous. All I'm saying, if you were born the year the Hawks won their last championship, you'd be in your, like, 70s right now. <laughs> so, well, it's time well, for it 57? 58. 58. Yeah. yeah. That'd be about 70. That's just sad. Like, you'd think, like, you never know, you'd think, you know, in my lifetime, I'll see a Hawks championship. Yeah. For many, many Hawks fans, that has just not been the case. No, it hasn't. And especially a lot of Braves fans nowadays. I mean, unless, I mean, didn't they win in the same year, actually? Milwaukee Braves and St. Louis Hawks? No, it was Milwaukee Braves in 57. Why am I stuck on 57, man? But, I mean, I guess as a Braves fan, you could have saw two, but most people saw one. Yes, the Braves did make the World Series in '58, though. Oh, they did. Yeah, they just lost. Yeah. I actually, I read Hank Aaron's book, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, after '58, I thought I could build a reputation as like a great postseason player. We just never made it back to the World <laughs> Series." That kind of reminds me, of what, like winning in '57. You should probably mute your laptop. Yeah, I didn't know if that would also mute the. Uh, I like microphone. Uh, uh, do it again. Uh, okay. Okay. So, okay. So yeah, when you said uh, 1957, and then we lost again, and or lost the next year in '58, it kind of reminds me of winning in '95 and losing in '96 to the Yan- Yankees. Was it the Yankees, yeah. right? We always lost to the Yankees. I yeah, think. I think we lost in '99 against them too, and then yeah. well, it's the early '90s. I forgot what year Padres. it was. I'm talking about. Then we made the World Series in one of the ninety years. Yeah, then we we lost the Padres, didn't we? Oh, I thought it was the Yankees. I yeah, don't not know. the Yankees. The Yankees I, were good late nineties. I guess someone's gonna have to tell us after this pod comment or something, but let us know. Yeah, now, see, that's like the Braves of the nineties remind me a lot of the Buffalo Bills of the nineties. Come on, that's, we got we got we got one. It's not that extensive. We made what four World Series and one one. But the Bills never got one. Yeah, that's the only difference. And they made four in a row. The Braves made and, like, and plus it's football. So, okay, I'm a big baseball fan, more than I am a football fan, but a Super Bowl means more than a World Series. Yeah. Okay, World Series don't really four like, four Super Bowls in a row. Wait, do you mean that from like just like a overall prestige thing? No, that's like, like the, in the sports, the Super Bowl is harder than the World Series. Both. Both, because at least you get. You only got four quarters in football. At least yeah. you have a a lot of innings, sixty three yeah. innings, you know, mm-hmm. possible. So in the World Series, so I mean, it's a lot more room for error in the World Series than it is in the Super Bowl. Complete so. pivot, but would you use that logic to say that Tom Brady is more clutch than Michael Jordan? Oh Lord, um, no. I would not use that logic because I think Michael Jordan's more clutch than Tom Brady. But every Super Bowl Tom Brady was in was like a game seven. I understand, but Tom Brady's also lost Super Bowl. So yeah. a backup quarterback as well. And Nick Foles. That, okay. Bill Belichick's defense. <laughs> Michael Jordan never lost, lost the finals. Super Bowl. <laughs> if if uh, the finals ended on game one, he would have lost one. Maybe. I mean, that's just... Yeah, but they also didn't have a whole two weeks to prepare for that game one. Because you got to think you. Do you know the They get a bye week for the Pro Bowl, and then. Do you know which finals he lost the first game in? Is it give? All right, give me the which uh. First three P. First three P. Okay. I'm gonna say the Suns. Lakers. 
Ah, uh, yeah, it was the Lakers. 91 was the Yep. Dang. All right. That's the most depressing series of all time for me. It's because of the amount of injuries to the Lakers. Like, if we could have had, like, Showtime minus Kareem versus Jordan's Bulls, you know, like, strength, full strength each going at each other. Yeah. Like, a great transition moment. Yeah. But Magic, he wasn't squatted up in that series. I would have liked to seen him um, because I think it was really awesome to see like Michael Jordan um, drop how, was it how many points against the Celtics? Sixty three. Sixty three. But imagine with Jordan like Pippen and Rodman against that same Celtics team, same primes. That I think That'd that would have been more interesting than Showtime. Depends honestly. on who, what rules you're playing. Late nineties or eighties rules. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> 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 no, I think the Bulls would have took that one. But it would have been fun. It would have been fun. I think uh, overall, though, having Kevin McHale go against Dennis Rodman, I think that would have been Robert most... Parrish would have had to go against Dennis Rodman. I know so? it's not matchup-wise. About, about, give Luke Longley some credit, man. <laughs> I'm just talking about Duke and Dallas. Like, you've seen that video of uh, Parrish punching Bill Lambeer? Uh, yeah, I remember yeah, like, that, actually. Imagine him and Rodman just duking it out. <laughs> well, okay, it's crazy, because Rodman did play Paris. I was about to say. Yeah, with, the, like, the yeah. bad boys. He was in that yeah, game. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's basically know, just, like, takes... Out, though. Like, okay, if you took Rodman off the Pistons and put him on the Bulls when Jordan dropped 63, what difference do you think that makes? Oof, um... A big difference, probably, because Jordan was the only one on that team. Obviously, he dropped yeah. 63. Yeah. Literally the only personal. Because the way I see it, there's two eras, right, of Jordan mm-hmm. Chicago Bulls. There's the the curse of Chicago. Okay, I think there's three, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, there's the you know the curse of Chicago, yeah. the first three P, second three P. Yeah, I get that. But I, I'm talking about like uh, before Jordan kind of went prime yeah. and stupid. and But the curse of Chicago, I mean, there was no one on there. Oh, except for the washed-up George Gervin. I just want to point out how funny it is that we're talking about Jordan dropping 63 and not even being in his prime. <laughs> yeah, he was young, and he was dishing it out against the guys who were in his prime. Larry Bird, was, that was his prime year. That was his last prime year. I, nah, you could yes, argue. 86? You could argue he did all well, right in 88. He did all right. Once the Pistons got past him, he was done. Uh, it's like, cause it's kind of crazy how... People just stop talking about Bird whenever they stop winning championships. He played till 92. Like, he was in the league when Jordan was playing Clyde and hitting the shrug. Yeah. And he just gets like... I mean, like I tell you all the time, I think he... Because the physicality of the league in the, uh, the late 80s yeah. were... It was brutal. I think having Lim Bias, if that did work out. Rest yeah. in peace. If that worked out, I think Larry Bird... If he did only play 92 mm. again, it would have been a better yeah. know, journey to 92 rather than having to sit out mm-hmm. every other game because of his back. So. Well, okay, the reason I think it's weird, though, is with Shaq, he gets clowned on all the time for his, like, post-heat years. And Larry Bird, they just, like, act like that never even happened. It's not like he gets made fun of. They just, like, people forget about it. And people also forgot about the Boston Celtics in general in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, besides Dominique Wilkins, I don't know if I can name a single Celtics player in the 90s. That was mainly a 90s player, because obviously, like, Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker got drafted right. in the 90s, but... That, yeah, that doesn't count. Like, I couldn't name 
a single person off the 95 Celtics roster? Uh-uh. I may know one, but I couldn't name one off the top of my head. No. Even, like, the post-91 pre-Shaq Lakers, that, like, four-year, five-year stretch, that's pretty much a dark age, too, by <laughs> Laker history. Uh, they had Cedric Sabalos. Yeah, I think it's funny how... Um, I forgot who it was. It was either Shaq or Kobe interview when uh, Shaq's last year on the Celtics, he mm. played the Lakers against Kobe. And one of them said a remark to each other that I probably shouldn't repeat on this podcast. You guys might have to go dig for yourself. But it's, pr- it's pretty awesome thinking about how 10 years later, exactly, you know, they go mm-hmm. from winning a championship to playing each other against on rival teams. Yeah. Crazy how the NBA works sometimes. I will say, too, talking about wilderness years. Nobody ever talks about Shaq's four, first four years with the Lakers. <laughs> it's like, yes, Shaq was signed in 96, then they three-peated, and then he left. It's like, what about 97, 98, 99? Yeah. Like, I, I just think it's interesting how people decide, like, what parts are, like, the story to talk about and what not to. Yeah, no one, everyone thought, I mean, as a kid, I remember in fourth grade, that's when LeBron left to Miami. And I hated LeBron for it, but I, it wasn't until I grew up until I realized that he had every right because the Cleveland Cavaliers is one of the worst-ran organizations Especially in sports. Especially if the Delonte West thing is true. Oh. Then, like, yeah. Not only did he I, have I, the I, right. I can't see that being true, though. It's just, there's so, <laughs> you know those phrases where there's smoke, there's fire? Like, if it wasn't true, because if it was just the Internet saying it, then I would I would agree, but I've seen Stephen A. Smith be like, for reasons we all know, LeBron had to get out of that locker room. Yeah, but I don't know if that's just like him trying to do a clickbait. That's just Stephen A. Smith, man. You have to take his opinion with a grain of salt. But like I don't know, just to be on ESPN talking about it. Do you want to give the audience some context? Just Delonte West is LeBron's daddy. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, and yeah, apparently he. I don't know, dated, knew LeBron's mom very well. Like, that's the rumor. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> you guys can make your own assumptions and do your own research. I, I'm undecided, but if it's true, LeBron definitely should have left, and I feel bad for being on the Burners jersey train. Yeah. Um, wow, it's crazy. But uh, speaking of LeBron, I mean, how do you think he's going to fare this year? I think this is LeBron's last year as a consensus top five player. I also think the Lakers will make the finals, but if they win or not, all depends on Russell Westbrook. Yeah, and based on his preseason, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, he had six turnovers. I mean, Russ is going to be Russ in the regular season, but right now, I mean, it's terrible. I think it's funny how him and Ben Simmons are like two ends of the same spectrum. Ben Simmons can't shoot and won't shoot. Russell Westbrook can't shoot and won't stop shooting. Like, he could benefit if you, like, combine their mindsets. You'd have, like, a perfectly just adequate player. So let me tell you something. So he's he's played three preseason games, right? Mm-hmm. 24 minutes per game. He's had 6.7 points across those three games. Well, average. Yeah. Same with turnovers. 6.7. I just think about all <laughs> those terrible. jokes where it's like, yeah, forget averaging a triple-double, or else might average a quadruple-double, like with 10 turnovers. And it's like, it just goes back to what a point guard is. He protects the ball, and he's 
just distributes. Like that's your two jobs. And if you can't do it, that like really holds Russ back in my opinion from being like in the top five point guard conversation. Because he's a great player, not a great point guard. I disagree. I think he's a great point guard, and I think he should go down as one of the all-time greats. I mean, he's definitely, like, top 10, top 15. But as far as, like, the leader, like, if I want somebody with the ball in their hands, I could probably think of 10 point guards I'd rather have than Russ on my team. I understand that, but... I don't. I think Russ is actually in a perfect situation where he's gonna have to carry a little bit, because I, to be honest, to me, he's the only sure option on this team. AD always gets hurt. LeBron, who knows, he may go down with another groin injury because you know just age, which is normal. But I mean, LeBron's still one of the best players in the game. But Russ is like to me the only sure thing on this roster. Well, even if you look at the Brooklyn, like, oh, they're big three. They're all pretty fragile too. Well. Big duo. <laughs> yeah, well, TBD on if it's a big three or not yet. Yeah, I think uh, they're going to, because as of right now, what we know is Kyrie's not going to play home games. We don't know if he's going to play any games at all. I heard KD might give the okay to trade him. Yeah, I know. I heard that too. I heard him and Harden and the Nets president mm-hmm. were supposed to sit down and talk about it. I don't know if that's happened yet, but. Okay, I know I clown Kyrie a lot on this show. But it's honestly sad to me to see such a talented player just go off the rails. Like, I don't know what he's got going on in his life, yeah. but it's just such a waste of like, pure basketball talent. Yeah, no, I was uh, usually on Mondays and Wednesdays. I watched First Take in the morning. They were actually talking about it, and they had Stephen A. with Wiley this morning. And Stephen A. said something. He was like, Kyrie just thinks he's smarter than everyone. Yeah. And I don't agree with Stephen A. a lot, but I do listen to him. You know, I give him that. Yeah. I give him that. You know, credit. And he had actually be right. I mean, Kyrie. Don't get me wrong. He said some stupid stuff, and we've acknowledged that. But I mean, I don't know what Kyrie's plan is. I don't know what his intentions are. He's not. He's very private about everything. I mean, to me, it's you're getting paid to play a sport. Imagine. Yeah. Growing up, yeah, like imagine if walking off the court, in like high school, mm-hmm. and then someone hands us a check, that'd be ridiculous, right? Yeah. Imagine that. He's I, I get you have your own personal values and stuff, well, but I mean he's taking someone's spot, in my opinion. If you wanna, yeah. if your values, I I respect them, whatever they are. I don't know the whole story, but whatever your values are, you should probably pursue that if it's bigger than the game of basketball, in your opinion, because you're taking someone's spot. Yeah. Step up or step aside. Exactly. Yeah. That's like the biggest motto in sports. And I wonder, like, I will, I just, saying that makes me think about Kobe and like his last three years about how I think the Lakers could have been a lot better if he would have just cut his losses in 2013 instead of making it like the Kobe retirement show for the last three years. Yeah, it was. I think we all knew. It, to me, Kobe in his final years is like the Cowboys now. I personally don't believe that the Cowboys won't win a Super Bowl until mm-hmm. Jerry Jones leaves. Uh, whether I, you, he's old, whether how he leaves, that's up to your interpretation. But I hate to say it, 
I, I, I can't even lie. I don't like Jerry Jones. I was going to say I love him for the sake of that, but I don't like Jerry Jones at all. It's kind of like the same way. I mean, in Kobe's final years, they just weren't going to win as long as Kobe was a Laker. Yeah. It's just the way it was. I mean, Kobe's a great guy. The whole league knows that. And there's a lot of people that would want to play with Kobe. But, I mean, after the whole Steve Nash and Dwight Howard big three didn't work out, I think that kind of showed everyone that the disrespect of Paul or Pau Gasol, that was a big four. Come on. Oh, yeah, he just you know, retired, I remember too. That. Yeah. He did? Yeah, he just retired. You know, I remember that, like, Sports Illustrated kid, like, magazine. It's like the, their starting five was, like, the Justice League. <laughs> well, I mean, Paul Gasol, is, he's a great player. But in those years, you know, yeah, done. You fell off the cliff, as yeah. Max Kellerman would say. Yeah. I miss Max on first take, man. I was going to ask, how do you like new look first take? <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. I haven't watched Fridays with Tilo's yet. Mondays with Michael Irvin, that's pretty funny because Michael Irvin is so biased. But every time I watch SportsCenter now, I feel like, or first take, um, get up, they're always talking about the Cowboys. Always. It's so annoying. Like, stop talking about the Cowboys. They're good. Don't get me I'll wrong. give you, like, but, 90% of sports talk shows, the Cowboys, LeBron, Tom Brady, the, uh, the Lakers when LeBron's not on the Lakers, like, that's, that's about it. In politics, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, no, I mean, Michael Irvin is so bi- unbiased, or sorry, biased, it's ridiculous, especially uh, when it was the week of the Bama-Miami game and the kickoff. That was ridiculous. And then every time he talks about the Cowboys, I just want to put some reality glasses on him and take his off. That's just all Cowboy fans, though. No offense to Ian, if you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but the Cowboys are doing good this year. They're sitting atop their division. Dak Prescott is, I mean, he's an MVP candidate. I mean, both the running backs are averaging over five yards to carry. They have the NFL leader in interceptions. Roll Tide Roll, by the way. And Micah Parsons looks great at linebacker. They had enough confidence in him that they dropped Jalen Smith. So, And that's all. Their defense is solid without their best defensive player. Speaking of divisions, it's looking like the Chiefs may no longer be the power broker in theirs. Yeah, I have to say, I mean, the Chiefs, I don't know, I don't remember exactly, but I know going into this game with the Bills, they had the worst pass defense in the NFL. I don't think they have that anymore. I'm pretty sure it's the Buccaneers. Just as the Buccaneers have the best rush defense, they have the worst pass defense, which is Is that usually how it goes? Never. No. That's it's uh that's an anomaly, I think. But it's a lot to do with their secondary, you know, a lot of the guys being hurt, Richard Sherman just trying to, you know, get in the game plan. And but, you know, their rush defense, Nama Sue, all those guys, I mean, it's crazy, Shaquille Barrett. But they're really good, but the Bills, they have the best defense and the best <laughs> offense statistically in the NFL. Josh Allen is looking like an MVP. The plethora of receivers, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs. And then you have Dawson Knox, a tight end, who's really, really amazing some people this year. I mean, and defense is always good. Yeah. I mean, secondary is really well. Levi Wallace, roll tight roll. Um, but not built. I mean, they beat him by 18 points at home. So... I mean, everyone had the Chiefs win the AFC Championship. Don't get me wrong, a lot of people had the Bills going to the AFC Championship, kind of like last year. But I think, the as of right now, the Bills definitely have it, I'd say. Dude, I was on the Chiefs might go undefeated train. Not not like completely, but I, I w- wouldn't have been surprised. 
Nah, I don't even know what to think. Yeah, here's like, a, this is kind of crazy because they're roster because the whole thing with the Chiefs after this last Super Bowl was get the defense better and get an O line. They got all, mm-hmm. you know, rebranded O line looks great. Pat Mahomes isn't running as much as much. I mean, while he has the most touchdowns, passing touchdowns in the NFL right now, he's also I think tied for third in interceptions, at with six. So, the way I kind of see it is, is that defense. While their yeah. defense may have looked better from the eye test on the offseason, they're just garbage. They're garbage. I mean, they literally have one of the best D linemen in the game, Chris Jones, and that was when he was playing at defensive tackle, but then they moved him outside, and he doesn't know how to play that, I guess, because, I mean, he went to Mississippi State. I mean, the academics over there. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I think they're – but Chris Jones is a great player. He just needs to get moved back inside. They should have signed Stephon Gilmore when they had the chance, but the Panthers picked him up. So, yeah, I don't know. All I know is my Super Bowl pick was rematch of the Chiefs winning. Now I have no idea. As of right now, my Super Bowl matchup is the Cowboys and Bills, and I would have the Bills taking that. You got the Cowboys going to the Super Bowl. I do. As, as of I, right now, as of that'd right be kind of nice, just because it's kind of like I'm trying to think of like the Celtics maybe. A team we saw them good, but like everybody has, oh, like the Celtics, like the, one of the greatest dynasties ever. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how people talk about the Cowboys, but we were like never really alive to see them like yeah. succeed for that much. Mm-hmm. So at least like, I feel like everybody should see the Cowboys win a Super Bowl at some point. Right. right? Yeah, I mean, like I said, Buccaneers are obviously still great, but because of their past defense and the way Dak Prescott's playing. And I'm talking about, you know, as of right now, going into week six, my Super Bowl matchup. And that's just my argument for it. I mean, Dak Prescott, they play tomorrow. Would, he would tear up their secondary. Do you think the Chiefs' problem could be just, like, championship hangover? Like, they made the Super Bowl the last two years. AFC title game, just, like, fatigue. My, my opinion, not only is it the defense, maybe the O-line isn't performing as well as it should, but I think it's the staff. Defense coordinator, obviously with these stats, needs to be gone. Out of there. Whoever moved Chris Jones to the outside, it's not that bright of a man. I'm sorry. But, I mean, you're getting paid more than I am, so yeah. you do you. But also their offense coordinator, Eric Benimi. I mean, he literally interviewed for every head coaching job there was last offseason. Didn't get one. Apparent, there was reports of him being a bad interviewer and blah, blah, blah. And then people you know, pointed that to other things. But and now... I'm pretty sure he's vocally wanted the USC job that's open right now because it's being filled by an interim. But I and then with Andy Reid, what happened with his son a week or two before the Super Bowl even happened? I think there's a lot to process, kind of in that off season, and I just don't think they're playing like the Chiefs because I just think they need a whole just a refresher in that locker room. That I think that starts with the coaches. Well. I think that's all we got to cover today. It's been good talking to you, man. You as well.